Hi, welcome to Film Lovers. My name's Sonia Chung. We'll be talking to people who work in the industry and who are also avid film lovers. As promised, we promised an episode two of Tom Jolliffe as we enjoyed the last episode so much. Hi, Tom. How are you today? Hi, Sonia. I'm very good and I'm excited to be back. Yeah, we really enjoyed last time, didn't we? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We sort of went on off a few in a few tangents but it was okay we, we got a bit carried away didn't we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> went on for about an hour so we thought today we'd have a special theme we'll be talking about foreign films today won't we yeah I'm excited about this one so I love a lot of world <laughs> cinema do you know what to be honest I need to start watching a lot more because I'm also dyslexic so what I worry about is that the subtitles might go too fast if it's a very kind of fast-paced film, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so and it some varies. can be quite dialogue-heavy, can't they? So it can be, it can be difficult. Yeah. So I guess we should start off by, let's start off by asking what your top five foreign films are, and then we can take it from there, really. Okay, so well, I'm not sure Number about... Number five. Okay, no particular order, but I'll make one okay. suggestion. Oh, you I know, order. I know you'll probably like this one, so Amelie. Oh! Oh, yes, I was going to mention Emily. I love Emily so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought so that's you might not, like You've not got a, like a top five. You're just going to say your favourite ones, are you? I've just got a kind of a random list of just yeah. ones that I love. Yeah, I um, have as well. It's quite hard to put them in order. Yeah, compared no, I to always me. have problems doing that. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, so why is Emily one of your favourites? I think because at the time it came, it came out, it was really kind of refreshing and a little bit different it's quite quirky mm. isn't it? and yeah very sort of quirky style of comedy very visual and again it's one of those there's not masses of dialogue in it so it is quite you know quite easy to follow it's also quite slow isn't it like when yeah. the narrative is taught when not the narrative the narrator is talking as well um but yeah um it's not that hard to follow subtitles wise and also my mother's French so I can pick up bits of it anyway um so it's not that bad um what stood out for you I mean it's quite original for the time wasn't it there was nothing else like it so it really sort of stood out when it came out yeah I mean it was such a big hit around the world whereas normally you know films out of Europe or anywhere else they don't always travel too well across sort of no. the UK and America uh, but this one traveled really well and I think it's because it's you know so visual as well mm. I mean, it, yeah and that kick a... started her career really didn't it I mean she was yeah. obviously a very famous French actress before in France but then um, when that film came out and it was like a world hit then that obviously opened up doors for her to go into the mainstream Hollywood, because she did um, the Da Vinci Code, didn't she? Afterwards, yeah, and she's done a few other ones as well. Uh, so, what what else were you going to say about it? Yeah, I just you know it has a great soundtrack in it. It's really mm. kind of charming as well. Yeah, uh, yeah, just really easy no. to watch because it's really charming, dramatic, funny, and quite I relatable like as well, isn't it? I think. Yeah, and also. I like the fact that she's she's kind of an introvert, isn't she? Yeah. But she sort of takes it upon herself to go and fix everyone's problems. And she's a bit like a modern day genie in a way. Um, but the funny thing is that while she's busy doing 
all of that and making everyone else's dreams come true. She can't seem to pluck up the courage to ask the guy out that she really likes. So, and obviously she grew up basically by herself, didn't she? She wasn't, she was homeschooled by her father. So she's sort of, she's introverted, but she's also very kind of socially awkward at the same time. She's very sweet, I think. She's very kind of childlike. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's what makes her quite endearing, though. Yeah, that's what makes, I think, everyone, every time you say that, like, uh, have you seen Emily? Do you like that film? And everyone kind of goes, well, I don't know everyone, but I know for me, (laughs) I go, like, I just kind of automatically go, ah, like that. It's just such a a nice film, you know what I mean? It's it's not menacing. It's very sweet. It's kind of like a modern-day fairy tale in a way. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And it wasn't the typical kind of film that I would have been into at the time as well but I just think Mm. it you know like you say it had that ability to charm almost everyone who saw it yeah was there anything um I tell you what I did like I liked when um the you know there's because isn't there like a bit of a narrator at times like at the opening um when he explains um you know, how she was born, et cetera, et cetera. And he yeah. says basically, like, what the parents like and don't like. I like that bit. Um, and the, and yeah. there's one bit that stands out was when she grows up and she's so lonely that she starts imagining friends um, and she gets a goldfish and the goldfish becomes suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. And the mum can't take it anymore because the goldfish keeps jumping out of the bowl. Uh, so she has like a sort of like, sassafras, she's had enough. So basically they chuck the, the fish into the, um, the, the pond or whatever. Um, so that's, yeah, really sad for her. But yeah, I think I like that at the end that she finds, I can't remember how she meets him. Um, he comes to her in the end, doesn't he? To yeah, and then yeah, she's almost she almost sort of chickens out of uh, you know opening the door to meet him. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember how that came about, but I do remember she dresses up as Zorro, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "This is you, isn't it?" Oh yeah, because he's um, she leaves a note to come and meet her at the cafe, and then she kind of chickens out, and he's like, "This is you, isn't it?" And she's like. No, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it is very sweet. Um, is there anything else you want to say about it? Uh, no, should we should we do another one? Yeah, go on to your yeah. your you know other favorite foreign film. Okay, so I'll 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 flip this completely and do something completely different in tone. So I love sort of Italian horror films like the classical mm. kind of era. Uh, so They're one of those boring, aren't they? They, they can be, yeah. But also... I mean, to be honest, I haven't seen any Italian cinema, but I mean, I remember watching a, a, like a top 100 scariest moments of cinema. Yeah. And there were quite a few Italian uh, horror films in there in, in the countdown. And they're really, really graphic. Like, really... <laughs> like, I think there was one with, and you might know this, where there's people in a cinema and then these zombies yeah. start 
attacking people in a cinema and like you know eating their flesh and stuff. What was that film called? I mean, that's really that, gory. That's called Demons. So that okay. yeah. So that's a that's a really good one. Uh, probably my favourite is Suspiria. Oh yeah, you so, like Suspiria. Yeah. I've heard of it and I've seen that was also in the countdown of the top yeah. hundreds. And the colours. I mean, I haven't seen it. But from what I've seen of the bits of it that they talk about, the colours are just amazing. I mean, it's supposed to be gory. Um, but there was a quote from Eli Roth that says um, he puts the gorgeous into gory. Because <laughs> like, the colours <laughs> are just amazing. It like is, the yeah. reds are so reds. And isn't, isn't she a ballerina or something? Yeah, so it's about this, uh, I think she's an American girl in it and she goes to this, ballet school in Germany mm. and basically she bet this whole school is uh essentially a cover for a coven of witches okay um so <laughs> as it normally is yeah. yeah as you do so yeah she just wanders into this kind of uh this strange school where lots of these murders are happening uh it's just a really kind of visual film because there's so Did many colors in it yeah yeah, the colours are stunning. Now, I will watch it at some point. I mean, um, yeah. it I is bloody, say... but I think with a lot of these Italian films, it was almost so over the top. It's not like some American films where it's, you know, they're trying to do it to make you kind of a bit squeamish. You know, but like, do Saw. you think, is it like almost so over the top that actually it's quite funny in a really disturbing yeah. in a Yeah, in a very sort of macabre. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because the and, blood um, and almost borders on orange, and uh, there's just lots of really over the top death scenes in it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, the intro to Suspiria is like one of the best horror intros there's been, because it all um, culminates in this one kind of outlandish death scene. Sure. And um, I remember hearing that the director loosely based it on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. If you think about it, like the, you know, the Disney cartoon, the way they do the colours and the way they yeah. represent her in their clothes. And actually, if you look very closely, you can see kind of, I mean, obviously there's no dwarfs or whatever, but you know, <laughs> like it's very fairy tale, dreamy, like. Yeah. Um, and she's so kind of like, like innocent and she's like the protagonist. Um, that she is basically kind of like the Snow White figure put into this awful world of, you know, you just <laughs> of yeah. gore and horror and death everywhere. Um, so yeah, but that's really that's also really interesting. Was there anything else that stood out for you about? Is it Superior? Superior. Yeah. Superior. Yeah. Superior. Uh, so um, yeah, it's just like with horror films, I think you can you can push the limits a little bit more of logic so nothing mm. it doesn't always necessarily have to make sense so if a room is like unnaturally red or blue and all these colors yeah. are just really striking it kind of makes sense for that film itself like you say sure. it's like almost like a fairy tale mm. places. so you know which is quite unusual for a horror yeah. film isn't it i mean they wouldn't i don't think hollywood would come up with that concept um, well, they weren't now, um, but at the time, it's very original, I think, for something like that to have yeah. come out. Did it, did 
did it take a long time to sort of develop a kind of a cult following? I would say probably about a decade, decade or so. I mean, they were, they okay. did prove quite popular. Right. Kind of uh, certain cinemas across Europe and America. Because mm. back then you had so many different cinemas and they all, they had different specialities and, uh, you know, Grindhouse, which is like basically B-movies, mm -hmm. very popular. So yeah. that would include things like Italian horror and stuff like that. Yeah. But then VHS came along and that really kind of boosted the popularity of all these kind of films. Mm -hmm. What's your, do you have any uh, other favourite foreign films? want to talk about yeah i have a few as well so i can talk uh, about them <laughs> okay yeah oh, let's uh do you want to give a suggestion um so you said one of them amelie another favorite one of mine is ringu oh yeah i love that yeah that's just and when i saw the american version i refused to watch <laughs> the american version and i did in the yeah. end and it actually wasn't that bad considering they were trying to yeah. do it for the American audiences, but it just didn't work to the same impact as the Japanese original film did. Um, the first time I saw the original, it was so weird that <laughs> and so creepy. And yeah. it's not something I think American cinema will be able to come up with. I mean, it's so, it's done in such an unusual way. Um, like, you know, the video when the first time when they see it or whoever sees it, it's so random, but it's so eerie with those, those squeaky noises. And there's that, I mean, all I remember was there's a guy pointing with a towel over his head and then I think there's like some caterpillars or worms or something. And then at the end, it cuts off of the well, because obviously we know what happens. Well, some of us know what happens. Yeah. She climbs out of it at the end. You know, that's a spoiler, but I'm sure everyone knows by now. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it, and um, it was, it just really stood out to me. It's so unusual for a horror film to be presented that way I think I mean what do you think was that one of your favorite films as well I do have some Japanese horror yeah I mean that is one of them uh yeah it's just because they did these really kind of atmospheric and a bit strange films and at that time they also kind of had this uh preoccupation with you know technology and things as well so I mean I know it's outdated now but the old idea of videotapes and things but isn't it is yeah. that usually when you I mean generally we watch the tv thinking it's safe because it's behind the screen but that's what makes it so terrifying when she actually climbs out of the tv they're like, no you're not in your <laughs> safe zone <laughs> and you yeah. know the phone being before and all that stuff it's just yeah and the way she comes out of the tv is just so Oh, it's so disturbing. I think it re I really struggled to sleep that night. I was like, I'm not <laughs> watching the TV for a while. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Yeah, there it's was another good like one as well um, called audition. Pulse. Oh, uh, yeah, Audition I love as well. Uh, Pulse is sort of similar to uh, Ringu. Mm -hmm. It's 
it's based on the internet though so there's like these internet sites that uh you know people watch and then they end up getting haunted through that so as opposed to the videotape sure it's through the internet and obviously this was when the internet was quite new mm. but that's that's another similar one where it's just really kind of creepy and based on technology yeah. i guess and it ends up people end up sort of killing themselves because of you know these internet signals that they've been watching um i have a little confession i've heard and i've seen really nasty bits towards well bits of audition not the nastiest pieces <laughs> and oh. i know of it because it was in like the top 100 scariest moments yeah so you have all these film critics talking about it that's how i know about it yeah. and i did try watch it but the problem i found was it's very very slow pace to begin yeah. with because i think what happens is i just i literally just covered this about a week ago on mm. uh, my the website I write for, so I actually did sure. cover audition. Uh, it kind of starts like this weird, almost like a romantic comedy, because you've got this yeah. executive uh, who's a bit lonely because his wife died, and he sets up a, basically a fake movie to audition potential wives. I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because but, isn't his friend like a producer or something? He says, Why? Yeah, yeah set up this, um, you know, do a fake audition, and then you can meet women that way and pick out someone that. <laughs> that way <laughs> yeah so obviously then he falls in love with this uh this woman he's a then, complete nutter yeah so the more <laughs> you kind of we the more we see of her the more we kind of sense that there's something not quite right and well then, that's it is that she comes across in the original i mean from what i see she comes across as so like delicate she's so childlike and innocent and then you cut to a scene. This is a scene I've seen, one of the scenes, where he rings her to tell her, you know, congratulations or whatever. Um, and while the phone's ringing, she's just basically kneeling on the floor with her hair covering her face. Yeah. Just like that. And there's this bag in the background. And then all of a sudden, this bag <laughs> starts rolling around. And you're like, yeah. what the hell is going on? And you find out that there's this, this guy that she's been torturing, who she's tied up into the bag, and she's basically amputated his, was it the legs and arms or something? And yeah, she's something thinking, like that, yeah. And then she pukes into a bowl and he eats it. And it was just like, yeah, that's, that's probably about the maximum I got. But I know at the very yeah. end, the whole point of it being very slow and why I think it didn't do so well was because it was so slow, but then it builds up, it builds up, it builds up. And at the end, it's just, just like the tension is so unbreakable because obviously she puts her gloves on and she's torturing him and she's yeah like, she starts humming this little tune as well and that gets really she? sort of creepy um what stood out for you about that film i just think it's i think it's this gift that they have in like east asian cinema particularly korea and japan is that you know a film can be going one direction and then suddenly flip to something else yeah uh, so it was just that that flip where it was getting progressively weirder and then right at sort of towards the end, you know, when it gets 
really sort of gruesome and violent. Uh, so it's one of those films that definitely does stick with you once you've seen it. Well, I guess it's so, if for first time viewer, you wouldn't know what to expect, would you? Whereas I have no. um, a little confession. When I saw Ring You, I knew someone had watched it and it was in that top horror countdown. So I knew how it would end, which kind of gives it away. But I think if you'd never seen or heard of it or heard or any of the press or anything like that, then you would be thinking and feeling this is creeping me out. <laughs> it's very unsettling and you wouldn't yeah. understand why until you got to the end and I think by the end of it I think I'd just be a nervous wreck you know <laughs> I wouldn't be able to to focus it would traumatize me I think yeah but, it's um, uh, it's very even for me and I've seen a lot of horror films that the end is very gruesome really <laughs> but don't give it away no <laughs> what um trying to think of other foreign films um oh obviously parasite we spoke about loosely the last time um i thought parasite was amazing um and that funny enough that was the first foreign film to win at the oscars which kind of says a lot about mainstream hollywood films i think now you know, yeah. there's all this really good independent stuff going on around the world and Hollywood's become basically like a kind of merchandise thing where they just keep turning out more and more films, I think, because they know there's, they're guaranteed to get money back. So the problem is when people are paying every time, they'll keep making them, won't they? And they'll stop yeah. focusing less on you know, other kinds of um, sort of independent indie style filmmaking. And I think in the 90s, there was a bit more of a range in world cinema and all sorts of other genres. And now it's just become really, I mean, I can't stand the cinema anymore, to be honest, unless it was something I really want to see. Um, yeah. Very hard to find a good film to that leaves you thinking. I mean, it's like art, isn't it? So art should be, um, what do you call it? There's a word for it. Uh, it should make you feel and think something afterwards. Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, I think a lot of the films now in Hollywood are becoming a bit more disposable. So mm. they just want to fill a gap in like July. And then if it's sort of made a billion dollars by August, they're quite happy. So they're not yeah. too concerned if people remember the film in sort of five, ten years. No. Um, yeah, I think it's starting to get a little bit better again, thanks to things like Parasite. Um, yeah. Because people will actually go and see these films if they have the option to do it. Uh, but yeah, the studios are still a bit preoccupied with um, Marvel and Disney and things like that. Well, I guess that's what brings in the most money, doesn't it? I mean, it's a huge yeah. gamble to take um, to finance a low independent film when you don't know how it's going to come out. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, compared to the 90s, there was a bit of an indie boom. So, mm. you know, like Tarantino was part of that. So he came from independent cinema. Yeah. Uh, so 
yeah, hopefully, you know, we'll see a few more indie directors coming through. And actually, it's funny that you mentioned Tarantino because um, he's like a huge film nerd, isn't he? Originally, yeah. I mean, he didn't go to film school. He basically, he, he worked in a video shop. Um, yeah. and that well, he was... says that was his film school. Do you reckon? <laughs> Do you reckon yeah. he did more? I mean, he knows so much. He's, he's like an encyclopedia of film. Yeah. Um, and that's why he references so many films. And this was going to bring me on to Hong Kong cinema because he references quite a lot of Hong Kong cinema, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, definitely. Like, and um, just on one point, he champions quite a lot of world cinema as well. So he's put his name behind a few films over the years just so they can get a good release in America. Oh, really? So, yeah, he's been quite good on that front in terms of championing uh, foreign cinema. Uh, something like I mean, Chunking Express, he was... Oh, Chunking yeah. Express. Yeah, I was going to talk about that with you as well, so we can talk about that. Because um, my father's Chinese and your wife's Chinese, so maybe you've also been exposed more to Chinese cinema as well. Um, so, because when I was growing up, my dad was always renting out... Um, like Hong Kong films, <laughs> like the <Yeah>. weirdest films, <laughs> like jumping up and down vampires. Like Chinese vampires aren't the same as Western va vampires. <laughs> You've seen them. They jump up and down. They're, yeah. they're very strange looking. <laughs> but for them, that's terrifying. Um, but yeah, there's, I mean, obviously the biggest thing we can talk about comparing I can't remember. Was it was it City on Fire or Rings yeah. of Fire? And yes. everyone yes. says City that on Fire. That was a good one. Yeah. So that was that the one for Reservoir Dogs, wasn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the, and there was a whole big argument was if it's homage or if it's plagiarism, because yeah. it's literally the 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 whole plot of it's just exactly the same <laughs> film. It's an under uh, an under pilot. What am I talking about? An undercover cop that goes in um, to obviously bust this bunch of um, guys. Um, and there's a massive shootout at the end. So it's like, it's literally exactly <laughs> the same as Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. Um, I guess so, you, yeah. you can sort of get away with it because uh, people weren't particularly aware outside of uh, Hong Kong and China at the time, of mm. City on Fire. But I mean, I love that era of sort of action films and gangster films. I mean, it's been a while. I remember watching it because I studied um, when I was a teenager. I did a two-year BTEC uh, National Media Studies course. And part of the whole course was film theory. There was a module in film theory and film studies. So yeah. we had a lot of lectures. Um, no, sorry, I want to talk about film theory and film practice. Yeah. So we were basically inundated with all this stuff. Um, and we had one term of foreign cinema and we were all at the beginning, um, our teacher was like, okay, so let's vote on what exactly we're gonna watch, French foreign cinema. And in the end, we came up with Hong Kong foreign cinema, which was basically so easy for me because my dad was always <laughs> taking out these films from Hong Kong. I remember when I was a kid, I was always watching Jackie Chan films. Oh yeah, the, yeah. Um, uh, what was it? Uh, the one where he's uh, uh, drunken boxing, the famous one. Yeah, drunken master. 
that's it that's it and it's really um yeah that one stands up the most (laughs) yeah but um I don't know what other Hong Kong and obviously the other Hong Kong films that stood out um was Chunking Express which is another one that heavily influenced Tarantino um and there is actually a video of him um you know basically giving a big review about it like he knows everything about (laughs) it and I remember yeah. watching Chunkin' Express for the first time when I was doing my BTEC Media Studies course as part of the foreign, I think it was for the foreign cinema um, assignment that we had to do, or it was avant-garde. Because it's also quite avant-garde, isn't it? It's very experimental. Yeah, in, yeah, in places it is. He was uh, very experimental with the camera. Mm. And, you know, different sort of uh, shutter speeds and frame rates. So... Yeah, it's almost dreamlike in places. Because didn't he do it at the same time? He was making it at the same time while I was doing like a sort of like a big blockbuster, I think, or or kind of like a, a mainstream film. And I think yeah. he was getting kind of tired of following like, you know, a certain kind of narrative. Yeah, because so I think he was he doing wants... a big sort of kung fu ep- epic at the time. That's but it, I think it, it was struggled to get released for a few, quite a few oh, years. Okay. And um, what's funny, because we're talking about Chunking Express, is that my family and I, um, we reviewed it. We had a big chat about it because we did a bit of film lovers chat. So every week we would pick a film, one of us pick a film, and then we'd all have to watch it. And on a Sunday, we'd all Zoom each other and discuss it and and say basically at the end what we thought of it and how much we gave it out of 10. And um, with Chunkin' Express, it's it's funny. It's like some some of us liked it, and some of us found it not unsettling. But because it sort of just cuts off all of a sudden and goes on to a completely different person and story. Do you yeah. know what I mean? But then you think about it that that actually, well, life is really like that. You do come across, you do meet people that you'll only meet within a space of time and then you'll never see them again. Do you know what I mean? And then they go off. And it, I always find it quite interesting that after you've met someone and you never seen them again for some reason or other, you you do wonder what what happened to that person? <laughs> do you know what I mean? Which is kind yeah. of what the film leaves you thinking. Like, what but but what happens to this person? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I don't know if that did the same, if that had the same kind of, if you had the same kind of feeling about that as well. Uh, I mean, I didn't mind that that side of it so much. I think it's it's definitely got that, and uh, but I just like the whole energy of it, and it's quite, I guess, it's quite a Western kind of film as well. Mm. Uh, so I think you know that's probably if you're going to watch one. Wong Kar Wai film uh, I think that's probably a good one to start with because it's quite yeah. you know inspired by sort of western cinema as well and I can imagine that must have heavily influenced a lot of new filmmakers at the time yeah I think it did yeah no? or, stu- or film students definitely it's one of those ones that film students would all watch because it's so um, like innovative and experimental and like you said it opens up with this fast-paced camera moving around 
and you wouldn't see that and it's like what what uh, what's going on what's going on kind of thing um yeah. but like it's also really interesting because it my plays dad's a little bit mom, like uh music videos sometimes as well doesn't yeah, it? yeah and also yeah, like because well. like my dad's from hong kong and i grew up in hong kong also that actually hong kong is really like that it's very fast paced it's buzzing it's constantly moving there's always people there's always sights there's always sounds and smells um and it's it's very good at capturing that environment i find yeah it it definitely does it does do that yeah but i mean you know, it's a great kind of looking system. film as well the, mm, and the it's kind of gritty at times isn't it yeah. like the like the first bit um uh oh yeah that's i think that's why the first time i watched it when i was a teenager i was kind of a little bit upset because takeshi kanishira was in it and i thought who's this good looking guy and then and then they stop showing him and they go on to somebody else like no bring this guy back. <laughs> <laughs> bring him back um but I just love the fact that he's a cop that falls completely head over heels in love, not knowing it's it's with a drug, um, you know, what do you call it, a drug lady or whatever. So, so yeah. he has no idea that she's selling drugs or whatever. So, um, yeah, it's very... And the second story is your favourite person, Faye Wong, isn't it? Yeah, I because like, she's a love bit Faye sort Wong. of... Uh... She's a little bit similar to Amelie, I guess, that she's quite Yeah, well, I was going to say, she, and, fixes, yeah. she tries to fix his life, doesn't she? And make, yeah. She goes into his apartment and does nice things and accidentally floods it. Or, <laughs> and, um, but, yeah, she, like, cleans it up and stuff. Um, but, yeah, she is... She, that's funny, actually, because we were talking about that and we came to the same conclusion that it's kind of like Amelie as well, in that she's very... She's, I think she's a lot more childlike than Amelie, actually. You yeah, know, she I gets think so, really yeah. kind of scared and screams and runs off and <laughs> stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, I like yeah. the quirkiness of the character. I think it's just, you know, an interesting selection of characters in the film. Yeah. Was there, is there anything, there's another foreign film um, that you might have seen and I've never gotten around to it because I don't know if I have the courage to. It's a Brazilian film and it's a really well-known film called, is it um, City on Fire? Uh, City of God. City of God, that's yeah. it. Um, yeah. And I tell you why I can't watch it. Because I know it's it's real, basically, isn't it? It's these kids that grow up in the yeah, it's sort of, families uh, of Brazil and Rio de Janeiro. Yeah. And it, Quite an intense, really hard film. life. Yeah. yeah, and there's a scene. I've seen a scene, a clip of scene where one kid shoots another kid in the foot, and I'm just like, you know, if it's gonna be like this, it's gonna be a lot worse. <laughs> if you, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's quite an intense film. I mean, it's it's really well shot as well. So it's kind of there's a lot of handheld cameras. So there's a lot of energy, a bit like um, uh, Chunking Express, I guess, as well. Yeah, isn't the director camera. wasn't it based loosely on his life as well? Didn't it, he? I don't know it if he surprised me. Yeah, I think he might have based it kind of on his experiences that he may have grown up at some point living in a sewage 
system or whatever, which is horrible. I mean, they're kids, you know what I mean? But then you got this whole big, it's Rio de Janeiro, isn't it? Which is really yeah. rough. And the police don't even go into there because it's so, um, I, I don't know what the word is, not contaminated, but it's so dangerous. And it's so infiltrated with drugs, etc. It's just like it's a well-known yeah. place to not venture into, basically. Even it's sort know. of like on it, yeah. It's been sort of ghettoized, basically, sort of pushed to the side. So yeah, it's almost like a sort of shanty town. So it's just a bit lawless. And then it's yeah, it's an intense film. So it's kind of got um, just a lot of really kind of harrowing scenes, but it's all, yeah. also a little bit of childlike innocence through the film as well. Mm when they're you know away from the kind of the gritty violence and they get those moments where they can just sort of be a kid sure but i guess you don't see much of that it's quite sad because you realize yeah. that they're having to grow up a lot faster than they should yeah. be rather than enjoying their childhood does and they, that make sense yeah they almost get themselves into with certain gangs as a means of survival really so and protection yeah yeah and I guess if that's the only thing you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. You wouldn't know any better. So for them, that's normal. So they wouldn't be thinking the grass is green on the other side because they don't know. Well, yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. So that's why I find I can't get round to watching it because I know it really happens and that really disturbs me i think but but obviously that's that's the whole point of the film yeah i mean there's definitely no glamorizing in it so it is no. quite blunt but it's i mean i watched it not long after it came out and i haven't watched it since so i guess it's mm -hmm. it's a great film but i guess that's you know kind of you know it is intense so it's probably one of those films that people would you know watch maybe once or twice yeah, but Not I was going to say, it. don't you find that sometimes when you check in with a film that you haven't seen in a long time, um, that you come back thinking differently about it or you pick up, like you said, you pick up something different about it. So if yeah. I hadn't seen, I mean, say Amelie came out when I was a teenager, it was, which it wasn't, it was when I was in my early 20s. Um, say if I'd seen it when I was a teenager, teenager and then seen it again as in like now I would have definitely come away thinking and feeling a bit differently about it if that makes sense yeah I think so I mean sometimes you you just pick up different things when you watch it or something clicks that maybe you didn't feel the first time mm. which I found in a few sort of films that I've watched over the years that have done that yeah what is there anything else? Because um, we were talking about Tarantino in a bit uh, uh, a while ago, and we were saying how he references a lot of, especially Hong Kong cinema, because I know he's really big on Hong Kong cinema. Um, so there was uh, he, the Chunking Express. I mean, I don't think he's referenced that. He's definitely referenced, is it City on Fire? Yeah, and he referenced a lot of um, John Woo films as well. Oh, did he? Yeah, so not quite as directly as um, City on Fire. There was another one, Better Tomorrow 2, mm. which, you know, there's certain elements of that in Reservoir Dogs as well, or Better the Tomorrow. John Woo is from Hong Kong, isn't he, originally? Yeah. 
Because I think, I mean, he obviously started off as a very like new struggling filmmaker in Hong Kong and developed a name for himself there. Yeah. And then over the years, as he got older, um, Hollywood started noticing him and then he started going to those big mainstream films like, was it a face-off and stuff yeah, like that? Yeah, face-off, yeah. With Nicolas Cage and John Travolta and stuff. Um, yeah, but I mean, but I, I love yeah. all his gangster work. So all his early oh, really? kind of gangster films like Hard Boiled. Yeah. So I think, you know, Hard Boiled is one of those which I still love as an action film because it's basically the old school way that they used to do it was everything was done in camera. So there would mm -hmm. be no CGI at all. And they would have stuntmen doing just absolutely crazy things. Yeah. And they'd, you know, rig up buildings and just blow them apart. And <laughs> well, you hear about when, I mean, um, uh, when Jackie Chan was a lot younger and obviously he started out in Hong Kong, his very first film, he had a cameo appearance fighting Bruce Lee. Yeah. The name. Enter the and Dragon, was, yeah. Oh, was it Enter the Dragon? It was, yeah. And he was really young and he was the bad guy in that. And obviously he lost because it's Bruce Lee, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then, um, yeah, he, he sort of developed a reputation in, in Hong Kong. And then it sort of picked up from there. But he was always doing those incredible, dangerously horrific um, stunts that basically he was always hurting himself. I mean, at one point he fell off a scaffolding or something and he like he yeah. nearly got concussion and stuff. So it's he, he tended to get injured almost every film. I mean, there was yeah, one exactly. film he did where they did worry he'd broken his neck. So oh, was, that was it. Yeah, yeah, very lucky that he didn't die. I mean, I'm sure now that he's in his he's going to be in his sixties now. Um, yeah. He wouldn't be able to do. Does he still do some of the stunts? I'd imagine he won't be able to do everything now. No, I, I mean, mean he's still he, in phenomenal shape. He's still for... a bit, yeah, and he's still yeah, he's still in good good shape. But I think just generally, uh, just throughout the world that. There's a lot more safety measures now and a lot more restrictions. So yeah. that kind of era that Jackie Chan really kind of pioneered. Yeah. Uh, just the craziness of the stunts that they used to do, just loading action. Because they used to spend like, you know, six months to a year shooting a film. Really? And most of that time would be to shoot the action. Whereas, you know, nowadays in Hollywood, if you have a film that shoots over maybe a month, they might spend you know one week of that shooting action mm. uh, so yeah it just uh it uh, they just used to spend so much time just really kind of getting everything as they wanted it and mm. just throwing stuntmen around to do crazy things but there's a um, lot more safety now yeah actually it's funny you should say that i mean i know this is going off in a tangent so i'll, I'll quickly go into it and then we can go back on course again <laughs> who was there was a stunt woman and she was really injured on, what was it? That film of Mila, Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Um, uh, English Evil, woman. I think, yeah, Resident Evil. Yes. So I think she. Did you hear about this? Yeah, she lost an arm. The poor I think, woman. She, yeah. she, I think she lost her arm or she had to have yeah. her arm amputated. Her whole spine was ruined. Yeah. Um, and she's trying to sue the, um, 
you know, the the company or whatever. Yeah, because um, I think the safety on it wasn't her. particularly great, apparently. So Is it not? No. Because I mean, then they some... tell her a load of yeah. crap to begin with when she signed a contract that she would be covered if anything happened. And, blah, 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 blah. Um, and now that she's asking for compensation, they're not giving it to her. Well, I think, yeah. I, I wouldn't like know that. too it's much, but it's some, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. No. I think a lot changed in Hollywood as well after Brandon Lee. So after yeah. he died, I mean, because that was well, a that fairly was another... simple kind of, you know, stunt that went wrong. Well, that was just a very tragic accident, wasn't yeah. it? That was just, well, it was it like um, it was a fake bullet or something, or somebody replaced it with a real bullet. I can't remember. Yeah. It's a little bit sketchy what people say yeah, about the whole is, thing. But, like yeah, one of those I think things. that was, yeah. Another thing, because the actor who shot him on the film, um, he really struggled afterwards. He said he'd he never did, get over Yeah, no, I don't think he did. Because he like didn't that. really do a lot after that film either. No, he was in so, 24, yeah. the first season. Um, and he always played, and I think he, he did have a cameo, at, not cameo, but a little appearance in Seven at one point. Um, but... I mean, when he did, he was always playing the bad guys because he had such a good face for that. Yeah. Um, so I guess Hollywood typecasted him. <laughs> um, but um, I can't remember his name. I should look him up. What was his name? I anyway, so Michael I was going to... something like that. Um, that yeah, but we were yeah. Talk, what were we talking about before I went off the tangent? <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I was going to say, we can't talk about Hong Kong films and not mention... Bruce Lee. Well, no, not yeah. The, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah. all those films originally, when he started out in Hong Kong, they were obviously done in Chinese. Um, and then he developed a cult following and all that kind of stuff. But um, what were your favorite Bruce Lee films? I think probably so there was Way of the Dragon, that's the one where he fights Chuck Norris. Um, yeah, and then he was Enter also his student. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I know. Yeah, he, he was he, his uh, student. Yeah, I know Steve McQueen was at one point as well. I think. Yes, Chuck yeah. Norris was one of his students, and of course he's going to get, you know, <laughs> thrashed. Um, but yeah, he uh, Bruce Lee was his sifu. Um, so yeah. That, there you go, that's something you didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> so what were you going to say, Way of the Dragon? What was the one where he fights the guy with the claw hands and he goes, you have offended my people and you've offended <laughs> that one. <laughs> and he's going that through is, a maze. Yeah, that's Enter the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. So I think that is his best one. That's almost like a crossover, that one. So it's sort of Hong Kong, but there was also some American backing to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So and when did the they start doing those terrible? What when did they? I mean, it was notorious, wasn't it, for when they showed it in America and they were dubbing over into English. <laughs> those kung fu films and they were dubbing into English, and it was so bad. Yeah, I think a lot of them probably came around after Bruce Lee because there was this kind of fascination after that. Okay. Yeah. And didn't that start up? Um, oh, what was that thing with David Carradine? There was a whole yeah, big hoo-ha. That was it. Yeah. And there was a whole big hoo-ha because the TV series, 
they wanted Bruce Lee originally, didn't they? Yeah. And he couldn't well, I think, do yeah, it. Bruce was the one who was sort of started developing it and was okay. kind of like half promised the role. And then it okay. ended up going to um because by all that point, you know, your the producers sort of start pitching to networks, and then the networks were probably the ones that came back and said, No, we need a we need, you know, like a white lead. Yeah. Which must have caused a, a big controversy, I'd imagine. <laughs> at the did, time. I don't think David Carradine, I don't think he knew Kung Fu at the time. I think he took it up, you know, just after he sort of got the role. Yeah. So yeah. I, would, I assumed that he was like a sort of a master already. No, I think he, he learned it for, you know, for the role or sort of okay. afterwards. Yeah. But yeah, he did sort of. He did end up doing martial arts, but yeah, I think it was because of the, the TV show. Um, is there any other foreign films that you want to talk about? Uh, yes, I, think I like. Any. Yeah, I like. Um, I do like quite a lot of European films as well, like North European. So, mm -hmm. like, let the right one in. Um, I don't know that one. So that is like a, that's a vampire film. Okay. It's a really kind of interesting twist on the genre. Mm -hmm. So there's this, this young boy who's getting bullied and he lives kind of alone with his mum and his parents have split up. So he's quite mm -hmm. an isolated, introverted kid. And then this girl moves into his block and they kind of sort of strike up a friendship. But uh, she turns out to be a vampire. Oh. So it sort of starts <laughs> from there. It's this kind of... Uh, a weird love story between vampires. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit weird. It's like crosses horror and sort of drama. Um, but it's, yeah, it's a really good film. Did, um, oh, there's another film I wanted to talk to you about. Uh, Dogtooth and The Girl of the Dragon Tattoo. And I'll tell you yeah. why, because in 2010, there was a short period of time for about um, four or five months, maybe, where I worked in a cinema before I got myself sorted out. And um, they were showing uh, the girl of the dragon tattoo, yeah, the, the original one, the, yeah. the Swedish version. I love that one, yeah. And uh, at one point they did, they showed Dogtooth as well. And um, I can't remember if I actually sat through and watched the girl of the dragon tattoo, but I do remember because we had to do screen checks every half an hour just to check everything was okay. And there was no. Um, noise or anything, you know, people messing around or whatever, um, <laughs> or filming. Yeah. And uh, I walked in on the most horrendous, can't, I mean, there's obviously worse, but on a really bad rape scene. And I walked out going, I, I don't know what I've just seen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I've just seen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, like with Swedish films and sort of all around the Nordic areas. They're not afraid to sort of um, go show, to places. Yeah. But I kind <laughs> of like about the films that they're sort of they're very intense and they don't hold back. Yeah, and there's a lot of repression in the films as well. So yeah, you get that sense. That are kind of, you know, they, there's lots going on inside their head. Um, let's quickly go on to Dogtooth because we've got a few more minutes left. Um, did you ever get around to watching Dogtooth? 
I haven't, but I've meaning, been meaning to go back because I like the director. Yeah, well, that's it. It's actually yeah. I'm going to watch The Lobster. Um, yeah. Because it's the same director, isn't it? Yeah, and um, the favourite as well. Oh, course. and didn't he do the other one of Nicole Kidman and Colin Farrell? Yeah, killing The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That's it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I like his vision. But the thing is, right, I will watch Dogtooth. But I remember seeing bits of that and thinking, this is weird. And my friend went to see it. He was also working at cinema, but it was his day off. So he thought, I'll go watch it. <laughs> and at the end of the film, I went in just to check if the auditorium was okay. And he came out, I was like, you are Aiden. And he was like, he was, I, d I don't know what I've just seen. And he walked out completely <laughs> stunted. Like he, he had no idea what he just yeah. sat through and watched. And um, I mean, when you watch the trailer for that film, it's really disturbing. And it was loosely based on, at the time, do you remember that horrific story about Joseph Fritz, who had basically yeah. had his daughter living um, in the basement and they said that she'd run away from home and, all, and he was doing all kinds, he was basically raping her and he fathered her children and all this kind of stuff. So it's loosely based on that, that this father is like, brainwashing and controlling his family to stay in the home compound and he convinces them that the cat is the one that murdered their brother <laughs> that murdered their brother but you know what if you think about it if it's your father you wouldn't know any better would you so no, you would you'd take the word them. as gospel wouldn't you so you'd, you'd yeah. think he was telling the truth exactly you wouldn't think he's this complete misogynist nasty piece of work <laughs> I mean so I've got to watch it I mean I don't know if you you never got around to it did you uh no not yet but I've been I've been meaning to yeah but we'll get around and watch it to we'll talk about yet. it privately another film I want to quickly talk to you about Tom because I have a little bone of you is once I said can you give me a good Korean film to watch you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. And you said The Handmaiden. That's a good film. So I watched yeah. The Handmaiden with my sister yeah. on Netflix. I should have probably were... said, don't watch it with family members. <laughs> and we were sitting there watching. And it did say in review, highly erotic. But I didn't think it would be that erotic. And we were sitting yeah. there and squirming. And I'm like, can we forward this bit? Um, it was just... When you're sitting with a family member, it's not the best film to watch. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to live this down, am I? You're not. No, I'll never forget that one. So but next I mean, time, if you recommend yeah. a film, tell me to watch it, but if I can watch it with someone yeah. or not with someone. I'll have to sort of forward you the BBFC reviews guide, maybe, the ratings. Or the Rotten film. Tomatoes. Yeah, just, you know, the... <laughs> There's, there's a site called Mumsnet, which, you know, looks at every film and then tells you what's in it in terms of, you know, what might scare children and things like that. So maybe <laughs> I can do one of those guides. But I mean, aside from all that, I did really we like were the sitting there And I was saying, my friend Tom recommended this. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, my God. God, this is the worst thing to be watching with my sister. Yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you live and learn, don't you? 
yeah I'll, yeah especially if I'm recommending Korean films because yeah, yes they can yeah. sometimes be a bit extreme <laughs> anyway I think we better end it there Tom is there anything you want to say to sign off with or anything you want to talk about quickly we've got about two minutes left uh no that's okay I apologize for recommending the handmade the handmade <laughs> <laughs> all right uh do you want to finish up by saying anything else signing no, off I had, no i had a lot of good fun so yeah that was uh good it's amazing how an hour goes so quickly isn't it it is yeah i think we could do like another hour probably on foreign films that's it is that like we said we'll keep it short but it's impossible because we just both like to talk so much <laughs> so much <laughs> so it's really hard to do especially when we go on a roll yeah well you know it's it's okay you we know we're enjoying part it, so. three at some point yeah all right well i better sign off then so from next week guys we'll be doing and not from next week from i've got another person lined up who's a filmmaker who i'll be talking to very soon um in the next episode so say bye for now tom and at some point he'll be back again <laughs> bye tom bye-bye thank you